It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday may 23rd and you're listening to episode 521 as always i am your host jason joined today by everybody's favorite former host of a former podcast that sometimes comes on ours mr chris michaud also known as your moderator chris hi everybody glad to be back thank you for inviting me jason uh for this auspicious occasion pretty confident like usual you invited yourself actually but correct uh yeah, there was a we like, there was a hey. topic floating around in the discord yep and people were talking about like topics for future show like hey i would love to talk about this topic uh let's like, do that i don't thing. know what i'm an expert in but this topic is about as close as it gets <laughs> yep pretty <Right>. much <laughs> so uh so it's time for my once or twice a year uh just crashing the show uh, yes. and uh and killing time between uh, real episodes. So it, you always have to have one you can skip. Uh, and so I'm glad to fill that role for you. I don't know that we ever struggle to have one you can skip. I feel like <laughs> we do pretty well with that. Like that's been, we've been solid and consistent on that since the beginning, you know. Consistency we is the we can skip. Thing. We gotcha. No problem. I think there was actually an episode Rob titled, you could probably just skip this one. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that was. And honestly, you probably could have because it probably wasn't good, um, you know, so that something that I, I fear, Chris, as a podcaster, speaking of our topic, we're going to talk about is that someday all these new lovely people who listen to the show are going to go back and listen to like the beginning and be like, what is this? What is this hot garbage? So I think you have two contingencies of people in that bucket uh when you've got over right. 500 episodes of a podcast you have the folks who like dip into the old catalog and say eh, this doesn't sound like what i'm used to uh right. and i'm not really connected with this so i'm just gonna stick with the new stuff and then you have mm-hmm. the people who are so into it right that they're gonna plow through all of those so even the the sort of dips in the road so to speak mm-hmm. that core audience uh that's what they're there for they're like this is the one this is the one that I've been waiting for the dip in the road episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That is fair. So I, I know that I've heard feedback from listeners who have been like, Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, they'll start sending me emails and like, I'm not, I'm an, I'm only on like episode one twenty two. It's really interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with this game. And I'm like, probably nothing. Um, <laughs> survey says nothing. <laughs> I mean, statistically speaking, right nothing happens with like 90% of the games we talk about on this show. Um, That's less so now, but when Rob and I were on, I mean, that was really the thing, right? Is we were literally just talking about new ideas every week. And, um, and I miss that, but I also don't miss that um, because I feel like it's helped me be a bit more focused because we're not stuck always having to pitch a new idea every other week as it was for me with Rob doing it on the other weeks. So I miss parts of that, but I don't miss the overwhelmingness of wanting new things and ideas all the time. Yeah, I think uh, well, it just goes to show how you've transformed a little bit as a designer, too, uh, because you've now got a network of people around you uh, to help work with you on design projects. Uh, that makes a big difference. Um, you've done this is not your first rodeo, so you have a better idea of, of what does and doesn't work. Um, and so that's okay to to have that transition and to evolve and grow. I think if this episode sounded like episode 10 and nothing had changed, 
then this would be a very different conversation you and I would be having. About- yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I. It's funny to think back. Like, I mean, I. It's funny because I remember there were times when Rob and I legitimately were like, "What are we going to talk about? Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, we're there was a point where we had, you know, we did the mechanic of the week. For those of you who don't know, we used to do very three very distinct segments. We had the beginning where we talk about what we were been playing and probably Marvel movies. And then like, <laughs> and then we would talk about, yeah, and, right. Yes. Yeah. And we talk about a very specific mechanic. Um, and then we talk about, do we do a pitch? And like, when we started, we were like, we're going to talk about a different mechanic every week. And about 50 episodes in that BGG list was running, was running dry. And like, <laughs> and, and honestly, even doing it that way, that was difficult because, I mean, of course, there were mechanics we talk about that we just didn't know a lot about because we were like, well, we got to talk about a topic. Um, so switching away from that was one of the best things to happen to the show um, because it meant that, you know, it meant that we had to start coming up with just new ideas. And that was still difficult sometimes, but uh, it was a lot easier than it was like coming up with a mechanic that we didn't know anything about and have to talk about it. That was not fun when that happened sometimes. So, right. Cause the question in that case is like, do we bluff or do, or do no, we, we were always honest. Like, no, I, I remember getting negative point. feedback on Twitter. Why do these people talk about stuff? They admittedly know nothing about. And I was like, you have to fill the hour. Like what do you want from us, man? Part of the commitment to the audience that you will get <laughs> an hour of audio. That is our minimum baseline that we have committed to you. To be fair, it was it was generally forty minutes to an hour. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I feel like recording with other people. Uh, you know, the episodes just fly by. I'll be like, oh gosh, it's been an hour. Like, oh, how did that happen? You know, um, it, it feels more common now that almost every episode goes over an hour, and I've learned that that's okay. You know, I was always afraid that the listeners would be like, oh, this is a really long episode, but now I realize they they don't care. I mean, they they all listen to it on like two speed anyways, so. <laughs> like they're just blazing through it look at us we were like uh hip deep in the topic we haven't even told people what the topic is yet yeah yeah if you haven't guessed the topic is how to run a circus um <laughs> or how to do a podcast yeah uh something that had come up in the uh btg discord which by the way if you're not in the building the game discord man i think this is the community that has really taken building the game kind of the next level as Agreed. a uh, as a show and as a project uh i've been trying to be actively involved in that for for quite a while and it's just fascinating some of the conversations that have in there um whether you are a creative and an aspiring designer or not there's just uh fun stuff to read in there about design and the process and, and what people go through so mm-hmm. it's 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 like the world's best dvd extra is uh joining the yep. discord and you get to talk back to it which is fun um yeah and and you may get drafted to be on the show that's i mean like people will be like oh this topic blah 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 here's all the stuff i know about this topic I'm like, let's have an episode about that that's a great topic so it's like i'm uh i gotta record something about six hours so uh you're on buddy <laughs> that's that's how that works <laughs> my my typical invite of someone hey, yeah do you want to come on the podcast yeah that sounds great like wh- when do you want to do it well i'm free uh i'm free this week or i'm free next week whatever works for you it's amazing how many people like i'll just do it this week sure yeah why not how hard could it possibly be this (laughs) this joker does it how hard could it be but i thought it would be fun uh to to jump in and talk about this because you and i had just very different approaches to how we we did it 
also you did a lot of work and you did and, a l- little bit of work you, and yours you, is still on and mine is not uh right. I, so and, i think i here's you know what i think uh you know how people would be like hey you're working hard or hardly working. Like that was literally the description of our podcast. Like you were working hard and we were hardly working. But <laughs> laziness sustains itself. Exactly. That uh, slow and steady wins the race, as they say. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun just because there was some interest uh, just to hear those different types of perspectives. And, uh, you know, it's it's gaming adjacent in the sense that we both did gaming shows. Um, so it's, it's a little off topic, but there was demand for it. I was like, why not? Let's, let's, uh, shoot the breeze about making podcasts yeah. for now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love talking about this just because, you know, the process is, it's different than what people think. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot, what a lot of people think, and it, it's a lot more accessible now than it's ever been to make a podcast, oh, yeah. especially to make one that sounds decent. I mean, the equipment is so much easier than when we first started. I mean, like Absolutely. Rob and I had like fancy mics and stuff and now i have a mic that costs half the price and is 10 times better and easier to work with what we have yeah, the same mic so yeah it, and uh that's a big difference too right there is is 10 years ago hard to believe it's been 10 years since uh flip the table know, turned right? 10 years old uh in june and at that time uh, recording remotely was very difficult. Uh, we were talking a little mm-hmm. bit before the show how uh, Skype was the order of the day. And uh, yeah. if you wanted to record in Skype, you had to plug something into it and you never quite knew what you were getting when you installed that plug in. Right. Um, or, you know, you you record on either end and knit it together afterward, which a lot of people do. But now there's more robust tools for uh, just recording. Like uh, we mm-hmm. use Zencaster on this one. Um, yep which if you're just a couple of people works great or zoom people just use that. It's, it's not quite as high a quality, but it's, it's like acceptable. Yeah. Um, yep. Whereas uh, we recorded entirely in person, which is very different than how uh, podcasts are generally recorded today. Right. Um, you know, I think uh, both of our shows, we were sitting across from each other in a room, mm-hmm. which, which is special. Like you capture a special energy when you're in the same room, but there's also a lot more consideration when right. you're doing that, you have to make sure that you have a couple of good mics. You have to have a mixing board or something similar to balance out the audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to make sure that everybody's wearing headphones so that, uh, or at least one person is monitoring the audio. So if somebody drifts off mic or whatever. Right. Um, and that's just like the minimum baseline of right. things. And now uh, you and I are sitting in our, the comfort of our own homes. Our, our mm-hmm. Both of our audio sounds great because we're just kind of just by ourselves is, is, and we just plug in a mic that works like a million bucks and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you can take care of everything else in post and have it sound pretty decent. Yep. Yep. I, I would say our stuff sounds just as good now, at least for, for the BTG side, our stuff sounds just as good now as it ever did with Rob and I in the same room. And, and frankly, as long as there's no technology difficulties, it's just like we're sitting in the same room together. You know, I've gotten so used to this that when I record with someone and it's actually a pain in the butt because I don't have the setup for it anymore. Right. Um, because, because I don't need to. <laughs> so I have yeah. one good mic. I don't need to now. Exactly. Like when we wrapped up the show, we recorded our last episode. I remember we had a thing two nights later, we were going to guest on a show. So we were going to jump on Skype. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, set up all our equipment and plug it in through the microphone jack. So it's big, fancy audio mixer and we have all the cables run and everything like that. And it just went kaput. It was like a Viking funeral for the equipment <laughs> at that point. 
it just was gone. And so we ended up recording that last recording we did together before our reunion years later mm -hmm. uh, was us shouting into a phone because that's the only wow. we could make it work. Uh, so you listen wow. to that one episode of that podcast and and we're all just like far away. And it sounds like we're driving through a tunnel um, because the equipment just died. Right. It, it and had, we've had it, we've had several of those episodes like that. Um, and we've learned from those. Uh, yeah, we were going to record. I had mentioned you beforehand. We were going to record um, at Geekway to the West last weekend. And it ended up didn't. I, I realized I don't have an audio set up for that anymore. Um, so I need to figure out exactly what I could get that would be cost effective that I could just, you know, drop on the table and then have everybody record into that sounds decent. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, especially when it sounds pretty close to uh, clear and perfect, uh, you know, week to week, when you do those remote episodes, I think the audience forgives a little bit more. Right, right. That's uh, true. Yeah. So we we always use the Zoom H4n. It was, it's a little bit of an investment, but as a portable recorder, you get a decent sound out of it. It's not going to sound like you're in studio with mics, uh, but it picks up clearly enough. People will forgive a little bit of a roominess in the audio because you're on the road, right? Uh, so as right. long as what you're was not, that called? Because I'm going to the check Zoom H4n. There's there's probably like an H9n or something like that by now. It's, it's several years old, but. Um, but I remember Eric Summerer uh, recommended that to me long, 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 long time ago because uh, I had asked him what equipment he was using for a live recording at, at TotalCon years ago. And that's the one we mm. picked up and it and served us faithfully ever since. I, I used it for backup recordings because um, mm -hmm. that's another thing about podcasting is you always have to have a redundancy. You don't want to have to recreate an entire podcast. I know BTG has gone through that. Yes, we uh, have. And it's awful. It's terrible. That's mm -hmm. not something you want to do. Right. It is not. Um, so just FYI, they're, they're up to the H8. These are kind of like R2 units, though. So maybe yours is the best. It's kind of spunky, you know, like it like likes to steal um, plans from the. OK, Death good Star to know. Take them around. So, yeah, good to know. Yeah. So these things look real fancy, though, like they're like record 12 tracks. I'm like, OK. I don't need that. Yeah, I need, yeah no, I need you, you don't need 12 tracks. But sometimes with this stuff, if you can get like yesterday's model, you can save a couple of bucks and still get that's true. the, en the end that product is, is just as good. Um, yeah, so. yeah. Oh, yeah, the, these people, there's this video playing all of a sudden now that I didn't pick. These people were like with a whole band and stuff. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's more than we need. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... So, yeah, so uh, do we want to do we want to answer some questions people have? Uh, yeah, I have a feeling we will not answer them quickly and we'll probably, you know, just uh, just vamp a lot on those, as they say in the business. That's not this. Um, yeah. So uh, Jake by right. me. let's do it. Awesome. Uh, we just want to go straight in order with these. Is that cool? Why not? Let's let's right. work right from top to bottom here. Awesome. So so the first question coming in from Mr. Michael Wastbrock. Uh, Michael asked us, how do you gauge what your audience wants to hear? Just getting right into the thick of it. Sure. Uh, I think that's a great question, but I think that's a question you want to answer later in the process, like post launch mm -hmm. even. Um, yeah. and, and part of the reason behind that is because there's just so many podcasts out there that, uh, it's, it's going to be hard for you to get attention. It's going to be hard mm -hmm. for you to find your audience. You can definitely do it. I, I think you should pursue it, but you're going to have your best chance at finding that audience. If you do something that you yourself are really passionate about and want to yeah. talk about and something that gets you out of bed in the morning. 
Um, And part of that too is when you start producing your show, uh, the audience that you draw is largely informed by the product that you put out. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're putting out a product, for example, uh, you know, a lot of, let's say, raunchy humor, right? Then the audience that is going to be drawn to that is an audience that likes raunchy humor. Like that's, or if uh, you're pretty clean cut, if if you're pretty clean cut, you're going to draw the audience that wants to listen with their kids, or at least when their kids are around, right? The the kids won't necessarily be super into it, but it won't be unsafe for them. And and neither Mm -hmm. of those are are incorrect or bad or wrong choices, but you really got to start out from a place where you're making the thing that you want to make that you're passionate about. And then over time, as you develop that sound, you'll get a sense of how to honor that and to keep that going and to iterate on that because mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get a sense of what people are responding to at that point. Um, but in the very beginning, since you're going to have a, a, a little bit of a rotoho to find your audience, you got to be doing something that you love first. Yes, totally, totally agree. Um, I think that if you don't know what you're doing, you know, it's not going to matter what the audience wants because you're not going to have an audience to want it. Um, I, I think that, you know, when you get past that, um, when you when you know what you're doing, when you're loving it, when you're starting to get an audience, you know, it's it's a lot like getting feedback on games. I think that you're working on like you need to think about yeah. is the feedback something that you want to take into account to change? You know, um, I know over the years we've definitely had feedback. Oh, I'd like to hear more of this or that. And in general, I'm game for that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I've had people like over the years say like, oh, I wish you were more produced like um you know like flip the table for instance or something like that was i was like great you should listen to that because we're never going to be that podcast right uh i mean i've had people be like you call yourselves a documentary podcast so you don't have to edit so much and that's actually not true it's super super duper helpful but that's not why we called it that we called it that because that was the idea right um but but yeah we didn't certainly uh certainly um that that helped (laughs) Let's yeah. just be, we'll just we'll just talk. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that now for us, it's easy. We've got the discord. So people will say, hey, I wish you would talk about this. And unless there was a reason why I was really uncomfortable with it, I would say, sure. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, why do you think we're talking about making podcasts on a board game podcast? Right. 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 Um, you know, we're kind of drifting off topic, but that's what the audience kind of asked for in this yep, case. Yep. So. As evidenced by the large number of questions we got, so, yeah. right? That was something people are interested in. And yeah, and I, I think that that kind of stuff, I mean, doing any type of podcast, you do taking an episode to do something a little more meta, I think is all right, because yeah, it's it's useful. And, and I think that when somebody likes something, whether it's a podcast, a TV show, a movie or a book, whatever, it's fun to hear about the process and it's fun to hear a little bit more about how it works. So I, I, for that reason, I think it's worth doing conversations like this just, just for that. But um, yeah, I I think that asking your audience, once you have your footing and you have an audience asking them what type of stuff, like I've never looked at the numbers and been like, Oh, this week's episode did way better. Uh, So clearly, because first of all, that wouldn't help because most people have these on like auto download. (laughs) So right. like they're going to download it and be like, this is awful. And then not listen, but I'm like, ha ha, I gotcha. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's a case where you should definitely listen to your audience, but just like board games, you always have to listen to feedback. You never have to act on feedback. Right. There are, there yep. are no absolutes in that case. Absolutely. So, 
So awesome. Well, that is a good question here. Next, next up, we have same from Michael. This is a this is a this is a good one for you because it's very different between the two of us. How much editing do you do in post? So that's a great question. That's one of the reasons I got out of it, actually. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you did a lot, a lot. <laughs> so uh, my degree is in TV production. I took a lot of classes for audio production, radio production, that kind of thing when I was in school. Um, that's part of the reason I got into it is because I wanted to use those skills and do something creative. Um, but I wanted sort of a commercial radio sound because that's what I am used to. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, you know, this, the kind of thing that speaks to me often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that means is uh, a lot more editing in post-production uh, because, you know, you want to have your music beds underneath everything and you want the fades in and out. And uh, occasionally you throw some sound effects in there. You got to time those right. On top of that, we were doing uh, comedy. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was a comedy podcast, which means the jokes have to work. So if a joke doesn't work, you either got to cut it or sometimes you can massage it in post-production to change the timing of a word or something like that right, and make the right. joke work a little bit better. And so my goal in editing was to try to have something as polished and clean and evergreen as possible, mm-hmm. which takes a lot of work. Yeah. So So the short answer is... A lot. Like I would take sometimes two, sometimes two and a half hours of audio and I'm, and I'm crunching that down uh, to like an hour um, and wow. sometimes a little bit longer. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I got a little bit looser on that over the years. Over time, I learned to kind of recognize like this doesn't really need to be cut. It's OK if that's in there, because um, if you listen to the very earliest ones, it's almost halting if you have an ear for these things. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. how heavily right. edited it is. It's too far in the other direction, but um, it's one of those things where the sound I was going for and the type of podcast I was doing demanded heavy editing. And mm-hmm. it's helpful if you have stock stuff that's already put together that you can kind of drop in, like this particular sound effect or music bed or whatever. That's certainly helpful, um, but it, it was it was a lot. Um Jason. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, so the opposite of that. So we do more editing here than I think most people probably believe, but maybe still less than some people feel like we should. My typical process is, uh, we record in Zencaster. Um, we rec- we're usually the process for recording usually takes about an hour and a half of that. We usually end up with usable audio that is, um, you know, about an hour ish or so. And that's because there's pre-recording stuff, there's some post-recording stuff, and then, and then I do cut some things. I don't cut much. Um, I generally edit out things uh, for a few specific instances. If a guest says, "Hey, can we cut that?" I cut that. No questions yeah. asked. Um, if uh, if there's a super long pause or we have to look something up, I know historically Rob would not cut that. I've gotten a lot better about cutting that just because I'm like, you know what? This isn't hard to cut. I'll just cut this. Um, But when it comes to trying to make it sound super polished, I'm not interested in that just because I think that if I started doing that, people would be like, what happened here? Right. Like a new listener might be like, whoa, these people sound really smart. And I I want it to feel honest. Right. Because we're not doing a comedy podcast. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's funny, but it's got to be honest first, because if it's not, then 
you know, I mean, if it's not, then then it's not a documentary, right? I mean, and the whole point is to to talk about what's going on with our designs and with our lives and stuff. And if we're not doing that, then then we kind of lose that. So so I do the I take those files that I get and I edit as I listen. Um, then uh, I kind of you know I cut a few things. I do usually it's timing stuff. We talk over each other or something like that. Uh, I forget to like mute my mic when I cough or something. And uh, yeah. And so I, I work around that stuff. Every once in a while, there'll be, I'll put a lot more time in because like a guest audio will sound funny or there'll be like a noise in the background. And then I have to like cut all of their dead audio out whenever they're not talking. And boy, howdy, that is not fun. <laughs> it's literally like cut out the huge swaths of audio. It doesn't happen very often and it's never their fault. It's always like, there's just something weird coming through the audio line. Right. It's, uh-huh. and, and that's the nature of, um, you know, recording with guests, right. Is yeah. you're yep. not going to have total control over their environment and there's only so much coaching or whatever you can do. Um, and so right. Right. Some, sometimes you're left with that decision of, do I really put a lot of time in and clean this up knowing that there's only so far we can go? Do I leave it and just leave it or do I leave it and apologize for it? Um, right. sometimes right. I think people apologize for it too often. Um, we've certainly been yeah. guilty of that with, with flip the table when we had like something that didn't sound quite studio perfect in, in recording. Um, you get that feeling like people are going to complain and you want to get in front of the complaint. But, right, right, right. But, but I think to your point, that's two very different approaches for mm-hmm. two very different sounds and styles and intents behind what we're trying to do, which mm-hmm. means both of them are valid. So there's no wrong answer to that you you just got to figure out does it support the thing that we're trying to do and uh, and then you run with that and and can i sustain it that's the other right and that's what i was gonna say we were joking beforehand that like it's a tortoise in the hair thing right like we're still around but it's because it it's a lot less work that i have to put into the stuff you know and so i mean that i i we would have never made it past 100 episodes if it was the same as you were doing either it's just it's a lot of time commitment to do that um you know, I have a lot of respect for Rob. He edited the first 300 plus episodes of this show. Yeah. And I've only been doing it ever since then. And now I do feel like I've got it down to kind of a science for if there's nothing wrong, I can knock out editing a show in two hours. You know, right. Like, and that's like beginning to uploading. Um, But, but even two yeah. hours, I think from an audience perspective, people tend to think of it as, well, it's an hour long podcast, so it must take an hour to edit. Right. Um, but, yeah, but no, yeah. like when, when there's something you have to cut, remember that you have to go back, you have to re-listen, you have to decide where to put the yep. point in, you chop, you, you subtract it, and then you have to mm-hmm. re-listen to it to make sure it's clean. Sometimes you right. have to tweak it a little bit, like you, you, and, and it's kind of like um, wearing makeup almost. You have to blend it. You have to make it yep. look natural, right? Yep. And so you, you don't want to hear that edit in the end of it. So you have to learn what are the syllables that are easier to cut on or whatever uh, over time. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the uh, best pieces of advice I ever heard. And this is, this is Eric again, uh, is to cut on the hard sounds like the P's, the B's, the S's. Those are the easiest ones to blend oh. in, uh, in editing. So I'm just used to cutting on action, but there's no video. So that makes it real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I find that um, I, I find that I do, when I do cuts, I try and make them as surgical as possible so that you can't hear uh, the, you know, the, you can't hear the cut because I mm-hmm. want it to feel 
But I mean, there'll be times where like, I'll take out a two minute chunk of conversation because it just like, if a guest says, can you take out this one thing? And then I do that might get brought up two more times in the podcast, which is, I have to look for that and pull it out. Um, and it happens every once in a while. Um, but like there was one where I, the last guest uh, I was listening uh, when we recorded, he said, oh, you could probably just cut that. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut that. But it was real like he wasn't super loud. And I was like kind of like offhand. Yeah, I'll cut that. And uh, when I was listening to it, I was like, I don't remember hearing that part. Like, Oh, crap. Like, where was that? So I was like, I feel like it was around the middle. So I went back and I found it, but I missed it. Like. I don't know if I got distracted for like two seconds, but it was just enough to where like I missed it. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, I do my best not to have, you know, like any issues when we publish something. We, we certainly have before. I know that we had one episode where um, where there was like a gap in audio and there was an issue and somebody like everyone was like, hey, this is messed up. So I, I quick fixed it, which, of course, everyone has to re download it. Otherwise, right. They're like, it's not fixed. I'm like, it is. I assure you it's fixed, but you have to redownload it. Yeah, but it, it always stinks when uh, something like that escapes into the world and whatever QC you've done, it just doesn't work out, right? Right, um, right. You know, like, uh, you know, I used to test listen every episode. It would always happen like once every, you know, seven or eight shows, I'd be like 48 minutes into the 60 minute episode and whoops, there's an error that I can't leave in. <laughs> like, yep. uh, go back and fix it. And then I got to start again from the beginning. I can't skip to minute 48 right. no, because, because what happens, you, you, yeah. you knock stuff out of place, right? It's this yep. big, long sequence of cuts right. and, yep. and you could accidentally push something over. So you have to start from scratch, re-listen to that episode yep. over again. Mm-hmm. And so there, there've been occasions, you know, during the run of flip the table where I'd hear an error like that. And I'd be like, it's staying. I just, I can't. It's yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, thankfully, uh, nobody ever uh, caught it or nobody ever cared. But well, one um, of the things you have to ask yourself is, is anyone else going to hear this or is it just me? <laughs> right. And and remember that I think people have certain tolerance, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, particularly if you're if you're, you know, our age and we grew up with uh, watching television and fuzzy reception, you just kind of get used to right, right. You know, occasional issues. But um you know, little blips here and there. Sometimes you have to ask yourself if it's worth your time. Right. Well, even now, I mean, when you look at today's generation, the younger generations, right? I mean, they're used to watching TikTok and YouTube videos. I mean, those are never, I mean, that's not true. Some people do a really good job, but I mean, in general, like those like live streams and things like that are meant to be, um, they're meant to be well, raw, perfect, right? right? They're meant to be raw. That's the whole point. I think, and so. I think that started largely with podcasts. When I was first reading about podcasts years and years ago, when I was thinking about doing one, I was, I was reading books about it. And, and they said specifically that people are more okay with it not being completely perfect. Um, right. And, and that was something I had to remind myself a lot is that mm-hmm. I want it to sound a certain way. This is my creative vision. This is what I want from it. Uh, but once in a while, I had to ask myself that question, uh, you know, is this worth the time to deal right. with? And yeah. and and I even have carried that forward into other projects as well, too. So, uh, uh, you know, that that's something that might help you if you're just getting started is to remember that, you know, do your best and, and try to get it perfect. But it's OK if you don't get it perfect. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. 
Speaking of not perfect, so Michael's last question is, how do you deal with guests that keep making weird mouth noises? I like to think that I have the market quartered on weird mouth noises. So So, so you're going to be selling uh, that on iTunes? You're just going to record your weird mouth noises and make an album of it? And, I'm gonna call uh, it ASMR and just hope that somebody pays me a million dollars for it. There so. you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 as good as any other plan. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's another thing though is is um, you know, having figuring out how much do you care about that, right? Right. Um, and 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 the other thing too is is coming back to your audience. Like some sometimes that kind of like bothers people, and so mm-hmm. you want to cut it for that reason. Um, but. You know, I was at one point cutting every verbal stumble because I wanted to make the people on my show look good, right? Like I wanted to have both the regular panelists and any guest panelists that we have, I wanted them to feel totally comfortable and just be themselves because that was important to the formula of the show. And And part of my promise (laughs) was to to clean these things up, right? Like I'll take care of you in editing. I'm going to handle this. And so as part of that, I was cutting every single little verbal flub out of it, which took a lot of time. Yeah, and yeah. and and sometimes I would have to just throw up my hands and leave it because there was no clean way to remove it. And so I was like, well, we can forgive one. But now I really got to pay attention to the rest of them. And uh, and I had to get over that a little bit. Like sometimes it's, it's just a quick little cut, like one, two, and it's done. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I had to grow a little bit of a tolerance for that. So. Uh, right. Sometimes you deal with the weird mouth noises by leaving the weird mouth noises. Sometimes that's what you got to do. That's right. So along the same lines, Roscoe Shock had said that he's curious about editing and prepping for distribution. He's thinking about doing a podcast, so it, it'd be know how much work he'd be looking at. Um, I, I think we've talked a bit about editing, but we should probably throw out like what software we use. There's literally no wrong answer to what software you could use. No. Uh, I use GarageBand because it's free on my Mac and I know how to use it really well, or at least well enough. Um, and so that's what I'm comfortable with. Uh, for distribution, I just um, use uh, Blueberry, uh, which is an easy service for, I, and it's not who hosts my podcast, but they create the feeds and then put them out into the world. Um, if you use WordPress, which I happen to, because 10 years ago, that was the cool thing to do. And now I don't want to bother changing it. Um, but blueberry has uh, a power press is what they call it and it's a free thing you can add into your wordpress site that helps you create all your feeds it's super customizable it goes to all the big places and you just have to like you can apply to all of those through through their their little service there and i pay like five bucks a month to get good stats out of them which aren't 100 percent accurate because it's not capturing everything but it's enough to show me um trends in you know our listeners Mm -hmm. uh are they going up are they going down Uh, are they staying stagnant because i i think that it's worth looking at the numbers just to see if your if your listeners are dropping like flies i want to know why is it fatigue from the show is it that the show's not good anymore um and what i've seen in the last couple years is that we've skyrocketed compared to where we were before and i 100 attribute that people didn't want to listen to rob anymore um <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i've actually said to rob you're, i actually said to rob you're lucky that here, rob doesn't want to listen to this anymore yeah right but i actually said to him when we were at dinner i said man the best thing that happened to the podcast was you quitting i said but it's not it didn't have to be you it could have been me like <laughs> because what that did was it forced me in the case because i was the one left over 
if I wanted to keep doing it, to find a way to keep it interesting. And what ended up happening was I brought in a lot more people. I had more guests. I got more diverse voices, um, so many new things. And, and the cool side product of all the other benefits of that is that we've increased in listenership because every person that's on has their own, you know, has their own audience. Right. Their own network they're bringing to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really increased that it's really increased the size of our audience. And so that's been a real nice boon in getting new and different people on, um, on the show, you know, listening to the show and the discord. So I'm so thankful for that, you know? Um, and like, I mean, honestly, it didn't matter that it was Rob or I that left getting all the fresh blood in here really made a difference in revitalizing the show. And it makes me want to keep doing the show for a very long time. So, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. And Rob said it had to be him because if it would have been me, he just would have quit doing the podcast. (laughs) He'd have been like, yep, I'm out. Let's do it. All right. Boys of glory. Just like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have much to add as far as distribution. Um, because we started a very long time ago and the landscape was a little bit different. So, so flip the table is kept on Libsyn, L I B S Y N, which a lot of yeah, people forgot that. do use. It's um, mostly it's it's kind of like carrier pigeons, but they have USB drives that they drop <laughs> off at your house. No, it's actually it's pretty decent. They've they've grown over the years. Um, you what you don't want to do is I don't recommend using their website unless mm-hmm. you have to. Like you probably want to create a separate website and make that look clean and nice. And then just use Libsyn for your uh, hosting and distribution because right. it actually does a pretty darn good job of feeding stuff out to, uh, you know, your Spotify and all the mm-hmm. major services and things like that. Um, so th- they, that part makes it easy. They do have really good analytics. The pricing is pretty reasonable. Um, it's just their their front facing website that is not the best. Right. Um, but there are other options now. I've, I hear about things like Anchor FM. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you just told me about Blueberry and, and things like that. So there's there may be a more robust, more modern option for you. As far as editing, um, I'm a little weird. I use Acid Music Studio. <laughs> you still use Acid. Nice. I still use Acid. Uh, take that out of context and have fun with it. But, I dropped um, Acid a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, why I like Acid Music Studio is because... Uh, I find it to be really easy for click and drag and drop editing. So I can quickly like trim tracks mm-hmm. and crossfade them and yep. things like that. It has that baked in loop library and music library. And one important thing yeah. about Flip the Table was the music. Uh, it yeah. was mm-hmm. just about all of it. It wasn't completely original in the sense that I wasn't like charting music or anything, but I was taking a lot of prefab loops and recombining them and making an original sound for it that we could then say we owned for the sake of right, like we right. pay royalties or anything on any of the music. And it was all like unique sounding to flip the table, um, which is not to say that going out and getting a stock music isn't fine. It's a great solution, right, right. but this is what we wanted to do. Um, so I still use acid for all my recording and uh, uh, editing needs um, mm-hmm. because, because I find it fast and easy to use with that in mind. Audacity seems to be the general consensus of right. like, if you need a free program, you're running Windows. Audacity is a, is a frequent pick. I don't know if anything has kind of supplanted Audacity since then, but that's uh, the way I, I, I don't know. It. Rob used to use Audacity. I'll tell you what. Every time I've tried to use Audacity, I felt like it was the most difficult program I've ever had to use ever. Um, I've tried multiple times, and it just didn't work for me. But 
consistently across the board podcasters i know are like oh i use audacity so i mean good yeah. for them i i i guess that i'm just lucky that i have GarageBand because yeah. I'm, it's a mac thing and so it, it it works like a lot of other mac video editing software and stuff it's it's yeah. it's almost essentially the same thing except for it's just audio and I it also would be, I wouldn't be surprised stuff, if they so. didn't have a Windows version by now. Like, I could be wrong about that, but um, right, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you want something that's going to be kind of intuitive. I think what Audacity gives you is the more audio engineering stuff, like you want to mess with compression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I never fooled with that. I used a program called uh, Levelator, where Levelator, I would drop the track on there, and it would automatically, and it wouldn't do it as well as if you had done it by ear as a human, but it'd get close enough that you'd have a mm-hmm. real decent sound. Yep. Uh, and Levelator stopped being supported three or four years into Flip the Table. Flip the Table ended five years ago. So mm-hmm. it is way not yep. being supported by the uh, makers anymore. If you can get it to run, it's great, but your mileage may vary and use it your yep. own risk. I have no and idea. If, and if you have a Mac, it will will not work. Um, I, um, I used, um, I used it, uh, at first. And when I upgraded my Mac, it just doesn't work on it anymore. Um, so yeah. So unfortunately that's the case, but luckily Zencaster, uh, has just been really good about getting good audio and making it a little easier. And then I auto level the, the, um, stuff myself, um, in, uh, in GarageBand, you can do it to each track. Um, and I don't like every once in a while if the audio gets really changed i might cut a separate track and then level that track but generally it's just each person on the podcast gets their own track and half the time i don't have to change mine mine is just always loud because i'm loud and my mic's loud so i I generally mine like drops my audio down automatically and then i have to tweak it just a little bit and then my guest will generally have to get raised up unless it's nicole and then i'll have to drop her through the floor because otherwise she still is really loud. Um, cause Nicole's it's, it's like just me. the keyboard. It's not her. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's the keyboard. And when she laughs, um, but it, that's, it's actually super consistent audio with her because we both are loud. So I'm like, drop both of audios down and we're good. So, you yeah, know, so, so I'd rather one lesson we take away from this quiet. is, uh, do not entertain Nicole cause she'll right. laugh. And, and that's, Thunder that's keys. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say about distribution to consider that isn't something you had to deal with, um, but is something that we've had to deal with, with the number of episodes we've had, um, is that, uh, your average service, like, uh, Apple podcasts and things like that will only hold so many episodes. No, we, uh, we ran into that. Yeah. yeah. It oh, was, did you? It was okay. like, it was like a setting that you have to change. At least we ran into it with Libsyn where we had to monkey with it behind the scenes to get yep. it to show the old stuff. Right. Um, well, so I like, it says it maxes out at a hundred. I've actually set it to 300 and it still works at 300. Um, but everything beyond that, um, and we have, we have nearly 600 episodes when you count bonus episodes. Um, so because of that, uh, we, we have them all hosted on our website as well. Um, so you can actually go and manually listen to every single episode on the website. So, And I've actually toyed with removing the bonus episodes at some point just to make it cleaner. Uh, I actually have, without telling people, I've removed five or six bonus episodes for different reasons over the years because they just didn't need to be there. Um, So, yeah. So, and I just have never said, this is the first time I'm mentioning that, but I'm not going to say which ones they are. And you can go try and find them, but you won't know what they are because they're not there. Just be like, why is episode 32 not there? 
I don't know if it was bonus episode 32 or not, but there was a few that I, I cut. Uh, so yeah, that's something to consider then. Um, of course, you got to get to 100, 200, 300 first. And uh, that kind of comes to a point that I wanted to, to mention, and it's, it's getting ahead of a question that's down the road. But if you're going to do this, if you're going to make a podcast, mm-hmm. um, the, the best advice I ever heard, and I heard it from multiple different sources, and I think it still holds up, is you want to produce like five episodes before you go to distribution. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard 10. And yeah. that's, we, we had four or five episodes in the bag before we started releasing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of reasons you want to do that. Number one, you need to prove to yourself that you want to and can continue doing this. Yep. Um, the, the dangerous thing is to make one great episode, put it out there, tell everybody that uh, you're going to be making all kinds of episodes and then realize after the fact, oh, I don't have time for this. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not motivated to do this anymore. Oh, uh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And then now you've got this thing out there that's just sitting there as a one episode yeah, podcast, yeah. right? Um, and it also is is just harder to get traction if somebody pulls up a podcast feed and sees one show in there sometimes. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, they don't necessarily trust, especially if you publish once a month and there's one show there, they're going to be like, uh, <laughs> is, this, yeah. is this coming back? You know? Um, so, you know, but it's also going to give you a chance to hone your sound and your deal a little bit, because even mm-hmm. I think of the early episodes of Flip the Table, I remember the best, one of my favorite pieces of feedback I ever received was somebody who actually was a longtime fan and a longtime listener. And they said, I went back and listened to episode one and it sounded like you were at a funeral. <laughs> because the energy was just so different because we just weren't certain exactly of if it was going to work or what we were mm-hmm. doing. And, and so um, the big, you know, uh, at the end the, the tagline was table flips you. And it was like table flips you. It was kind of like public and, and, you know, you smash cut to the end. And it's like table flips you like a big, um, right. Right. John Lithgow, like uh, delivery on it. And so, yeah. So, so making those episodes isn't going to tell you if it's a sustainable project or not. Uh, if you've bitten off more than you can chew, it's also going to let you like shake off some of those early episode mm-hmm. uh, kinks. And so you'll have a little bit of a better. So once you're in the rhythm of it, then when people pull up that podcast feed, they're going to see the more recent one, which is your more polished one. So, yep. The other thing I would suggest too with that is I, I think the way you just described that, and I've literally never made this connection before, but it, it's a lot like a TV sitcom. Uh, If you think of your favorite TV sitcoms five to six seasons in and then go back to the beginning and watch them like when my wife and I start like we started 30 Rock or something like that. When you start watching it for the first time, you're like, I feel like this show is going to be really funny once we get like one season in. And I know the characters and they have their jokes that they do and they can do their callbacks and stuff. And a podcast is no different. I I think not even just for a comedy podcast. I mean, we have we've had so many like jokes over the years that a lot of them aren't even funny anymore because the newer listeners would be like, what? Like if I was like <laughs> Nate Darty wins every contest, there are a lot of people who'd be like, what contest and who's Nate Darty? Um, <laughs> but he did. He won all the contests back in the day. We stopped having contests because he just kept winning. So and we thought people were going to think it was rigged and we didn't want to give him any more free stuff. <laughs> Shout out to Nate, though. I did see him at Geekway. He'll be on. Hopefully he'll be on next week. There you go. And now, now you can answer for that. Uh, yeah. So excellent. Um, 
Yeah, no, yeah. It takes time to find your voice. It takes time to figure your sound out. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you want to practice a little bit. And it also gives you a chance to throw one out. If it's, you know, mm-hmm. you, you make three or four of them and one of them just isn't working, it's you can just, you just can it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and that's OK to do, too, uh, yep. because you've, you've not made a promise to your audience yet in right. uh, in those pre-production times. And it'll give you a little bit of a breathing room. So if you need to take a week off for whatever reason, your schedule is still consistent. Right. Right. So this next question, I'm not this is a good question. I'm not sure how to answer it. And I don't know if you are either. Uh, Heather Newton asks tips for running and editing a live stream video to allow it to double as a podcast. So this is going to be pure speculation because I have never done this. I have done it once with you. Right. (laughs) That was it. And I am extremely grateful uh, to those folks who have invited me to come on and do video with them. I love doing that stuff, Uh, you know, especially when it's like a fun game or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we never monkeyed with doing an episode as video. People asked about it, but because, you know, it's just so much more of an undertaking. Now, it's less of an undertaking now than it was in 2013, 14, 15 you know, because everybody can just do it from home with their good webcam and you've got zoom, which will arrange everybody, or you can use like a restream or a stream yard, things like that, that can mm-hmm. make a nice polished uh, thing. But I, I think Heather's question gets at, um, you know, how do you run that live stream so that you can use it as a podcast? And I think you almost have to treat it like it's a podcast that people can happen to see. Um, Mm-hmm. And so you just have to kind of keep things moving and try to fill the air and, and understand that um, you may be dealing with, you've got the audio from that live stream, but you may still have to clean it up and it's not going to sync exactly with your video. You're not going to be able to just rip and put it down unless that's really what you want. Right. Um, and I, you're absolutely right about the think of it as a podcast because, you know, my first fear was like, well, if you're doing anything visual, right, putting that on the podcast is hard. And I mean, that was even with episode 500. That was something we had to think about. We put that both out there and I think you could follow along with the audio, but watching the video was certainly more helpful. Yeah. So I do think that's something to consider. I think if you're just doing a talking head thing where you're talking back and forth on video, there's no reason why you can't make that an audio as well. Um, right. You could just tear the, the audio out of it, uh, even if it's just on Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's more than one way to do that, but you can uh, clean that up a little bit for an audio right. audience, right? Well, that's like something like Zencaster that we're using now. There's actually an option where I can record the video and we could release that as a separate bit and then do the right. audio as well. It wouldn't be a live stream, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they handle that. But um, but yeah, there. I think there are a myriad of ways to do it. But I think the content is probably the hardest part that you get right. Yeah. The technology will support you. It's getting the content correct. Yeah. And I think uh, in that instance, too, it's probably helpful to have a producer like another person yeah. who can deal with the technical stuff uh, for video, but isn't necessarily going to appear on camera or on audio. They might be able to, mm-hmm. but they may have a secondary role. Right, um, right. I actually uh, was lucky enough to join Heather for a live stream for Protospiel a while back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, David was doing a lot of that behind the scenes stuff uh, so that Heather and I on camera and, and the guest could focus on the conversation and not on uh, pressing the right. buttons and, and doing all the switching. So, yep. Um, yep. You know, yeah, that's a great uh, I mean, advice. 
So uh, now you're, you're getting another person involved and, and that is a whole different ball of wax, but uh, maybe that's what you want to do is, is have a producer to help you with all the video elements. And then as the on air talent, treat it like it's an audio thing so that, uh, you know, you think of it as for an audio audience, you just happen to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Yeah. This one's more for you from Heather. She said, uh, also, I know Jason does not batch produce at all. So I'd be curious to hear how you went about batching or not for flip the table, especially since that show was more highly produced. Just Heather's nice way of saying, yeah. Jason, maybe do some more editing. I'm just teasing. Yeah, yeah. If I'm you did more editing, it, no. it, it wouldn't be the same, man. It would be like, it man, wouldn't I, be because I would take probably that, stop doing it. <laughs> take that shirt and tie off. That's not who you are. But, um, we did batch the shows to an extent. I, I tried to keep a buffer of one to two episodes at least. In mm-hmm. the early days, we recorded literally eight shows and then we dropped the first four and then we were on a bi-weekly schedule. So we, we were always two to three shows ahead, which was okay because our show was not a news show. It was not right, right. reacting to the things that were happening in the world of gaming or whatever. It was an entertainment show. And so... Um, it was okay to, to have that little bit of a buffer, which was helpful when, you know, I can't get together and record in a couple of weeks or I lost my voice today and I can't record, um, you know, things like that. Um, so it gave us some flexibility in schedule, but that also means right, you right. have to stay on top of that buffer too. It means that you, you have to be careful about letting it run dry. Um, what we would generally do is we would do two shows in a day. And mm-hmm. so that was like an eight hour day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because we're sitting down and playing a game, a whole game, start to finish. And we'd usually, you know, wrap that in an hour, maybe an hour and a half. It was a longer game. We never went mm-hmm. longer than an hour and a half. Even if we weren't done, we would just say, hey, we we couldn't finish this. Um, right, right. And, uh, you know, then we record, which is another hour to two hours, depending on just how the conversation is going, depending on how right. many like stoppages we have, like if you know, we're playing a game or something, we need to give people a minute to think about it, or we're dealing with mm-hmm. something like that took a while. And then, so it was a good four hour process for recording one show. Then we got to have mm-hmm. lunch and then we do another one. Um, right. And so what was good about that, particularly when we went to an every three weeks schedule is mm-hmm. that that would keep us going for six weeks, one day yeah, of recording yeah you know, we'd have six weeks of shows or, you know, four weeks of shows when we were doing biweekly. Um, so, so that's good, but also the flip side of that is you got to get people together and available for that long stretch of time. Mm-hmm. Now, now if your podcast does not require playing an entire game, uh, <laughs> beforehand, uh, and just having a conversation, then maybe that's a night, right? Like you get together six or seven at night, you go to like 10 or 11 and you, yeah. and you get a couple yeah. of shows done but you definitely need to build in time to take a break, to shake it off. And so you can bring fresh energy to the second show. Uh, I would highly recommend batching if you're able to. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are a program that is reacting to events in the community, uh, then you're just going to need to get your format together in such a way that uh, you can manage that. Now, so, so the flip side of that is rotating guests. We actually wanted to do that and flip the table and we never did really. Um, mm-hmm. we kind of sort of did. So we had the Ben and Nikki Turner episodes where they would jump in and, and join us. Our original plan was we were going to have a rotating cast, about five or six panelists, and they would just come and go as they pleased. And that's how we could keep it going. And then the same mm-hmm. three guys just showed up for the first eight shows and they became, <laughs> a panel. 
but but I still had Ben and Nikki on from time to time uh, because they were my friends and they're fun and they did a great job and they kind of gave the guys a break. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But um, that's the other thing, too, is is if you are doing something that's really current, you probably want to have more people in your bullpen to uh, because right, people right. people aren't going to be able to make every single recording. Yeah, so we actually, I forgot, Rob and I used to batch produce two weeks at a time, now that I think about it. We would get together, we would do two episodes in an evening, which only took about three hours, um, Mm -hmm. two and a half to three hours, um, depending on how long we talked or waited in between. And then afterwards, um, we would, then we'd have a week off. Um, Now, that was tough. The second episode always had lower energy um, because... We, there was nothing new to talk about, right? So like we had a couple beers was, by then. It was yeah. like you know, <laughs> so it just it just wasn't it just wasn't the same. And so now sometimes I do batch produce, but only based on, only in the fact that I might get a week or two ahead, mm-hmm. and that was that is only with with guests. Um, if I have a guest on that's not one of the regular hosts, and we're not going to talk about something specific that's going on. Like if I'm going to have Julio on the show, because traditionally when Julio's on him and I will both give our, our design updates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will always have Julio on and then publish his episode the same week because we'll, right. we'll talk about something topical um, with other people. If I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have this person on from this, um, from this publishing company to talk about their games, unless they have a Kickstarter or something that needs to go out that week. I mean, there are actually ones where I'll schedule them we'll record and it won't go out for two weeks because that's when their Kickstarter is. And I love that when I get the chance to do that. Um, and it's also easy to have that energy. I've recorded two podcasts in a day a few times now, and you'd never know it because I, um, I have a lot more energy when I'm talking to someone different, right? I take right. a couple hours off. I might record one in the morning, one at night. And that that's no big deal. I love that because I do. I like getting ahead when I can. My biggest problem is that I'm not great at scheduling super far out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be tricky for me. Um, and it's just because I just, yeah, I, I'm just not great. It's something I've never been great at. I have a nice group of hosts. Um, and then I, I still sometimes struggle to to fill a week uh, just because uh, of my lack of getting far enough ahead with scheduling. Which is it's just a pain. I, I should be better at that. My my goal with all the hosts was that it would be easier. Um, but it just doesn't always work out with everybody's schedules and such for yeah. you know, and again, I don't with the regular hosts, unless we're interviewing someone, I hate to record way in advance. Cause right. it just it feels like we recorded way in advance. And while we're not incredibly topical, if something game changing, no pun intended, happens in the industry, right? And we do have two episodes in advance and we're not gonna say anything about it, that feels weird. Um, and I don't like that. So like this was, this was recorded before dice were made illegal. Right. Sorry. We, we, <laughs> this whole episode about where to buy your dice at. And then it's like, no dice is like moonshine. So, <laughs> moonshine dice. Um, so uh, there was, a, apparently there was a second part to this question. It just got broken up. She said, and what process uh, for coming up and creating all those fun commercials uh, and things you had, Chris, now, you made one uh, with us, actually. I remember there was a there's a building the game ad that I yes. remember and have fond nostalgia for from uh, yeah, the earlier yeah. episodes of Put the Table. Um, and uh, when when we did it ourselves, usually uh, 
I would write a script. That was the only time I ever really wrote a script out on Mm -hmm. Flip the Table, except for a couple of live shows, just because I didn't want the audience to stare at me while I thought of how I was going to toss into the intro. I I needed, I wanted to keep things moving and that's why I script my intro outro. Yeah. But, but generally if it was the guys, I would just make them stare at me until I thought of something. And uh, so a lot of that was, (laughs) Uh Um, but uh, I would write out the script. Uh, If I needed other people to help, it just depended on who was involved. Like uh, there was one time, I worked with Chaz Marler on one and we got on a call and we were both recording on each other end, but it was kind of the thing we were playing off of each other. Like he was in my basement rooting through my stuff. And so we wanted to have that energy of us like playing off each other. Like, so we didn't want to record our lines separately for that reason. Right. Um, Or uh, like with Ben and Nikki, I did a two voicer with them and and they just recorded on their own, Uh, but they had worked together because they are married. And so they know each other pretty well anyway. Um, But uh generally except for some of the ones in the very beginning i like to have other voices and particularly ben and nikki because they were very good at it um Mm -hmm. and so i would have them record the audio and then based on what i got back from them and uh or like uh, we had eric we had rich you know lots of people do these for us um i would then use acid music studio to make a simple music bed for it to try to capture the rest of the feel of it Mm and then uh, and then drop that underneath. Uh, and so in the beginning, it was very sort of elaborate work on the music. And I would do more like voices when I was reading copy and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. toward the end, I was just having other people do the read. And it was like music in, duck under, music out at the end. Right, right. Um, because, because the jokes still carried, you know. The, the, yep. you, you would be surprised how much a simple music bed can really amp up the sound of right. a segment, um, yeah. particularly if you're going for a, a more commercial radio type sound, because a lot of commercial radio is uh, music bends underneath, just kind of something else to kind of boost the overall feel of it. Um, so I think that's a long way to say it sounds fancy because we use music. So eh. right, yeah, and one of my favorite commercials you ever did was for my game Water Balloon Washout when I was on Kickstarter, yeah. and that you had Rob read the copy about the game. And then you wrote a Beastie Boys tribute uh, <laughs> rapping about uh, Water Balloon Washout. And then Rob was like, Water Balloon Washout is game. Blah, blah. It's like some like old newscaster. And then you were doing this sweet Beastie Boys rap. Uh, I still have it somewhere. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do because, uh, you know, it, I wanted to really help you guys out. And I wanted to do something that was above and beyond just like a copy read. And yeah, uh, yeah cause that was the first Kickstarter, right? That was like uh, your first one. And we really yep. wanted it to go well. And so I wanted to really just get a lot of attention. So it's like, let's do a full blown Beastie Boys parody song for this. Uh, yeah. Nobody and else got was, that treatment, but. Oh, uh, uh, no, it was, it was fantastic. It's one of my absolute favorite things ever. <laughs> And then uh, Heather's last question, and we're actually getting close to the end of the questions. Uh, yeah. Heather's last question here is um, that she wanted to know about longevity and keeping going um, for so long for 500 plus episodes. And, and how does that work? And um, obviously for you, you just ran out of cheesy, weird board games to play. So oh, there's still plenty of them. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. we gave away a hundred board games or something like that in our final live episode. 
we 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 did a big surprise thing. Nobody knew it was coming where we flipped a big tablecloth off of a table and we made everybody take a bad game from our collection that we couldn't review because we were never going to get to it. <laughs> and, and we wouldn't let people leave until they took one. That's um, amazing. And, and we had some left over and I found ways to just foist it on people in the gaming hall or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's not that we, we ran out of games, but... Um, Did you drop this but, game? I think you dropped this. I didn't drop that. I don't know. You dropped this game. You dropped all madness. Put it in your bag. Hey, can you hold it for a second? And then I ran away. Um, <laughs> but uh, amazing. It was. Uh, but when we talk about Lunge, we've talked about it a lot already. But one thing I wanted to kind of make sure that I touched on is when you start your show, if it's something that you really are going to start, right? You've made your five, 10 episode buffer or whatever. You decided I can do this. This is fun. This is the the passionate thing that I want to speak about. Um, think about your exit plan then. Uh, mm-hmm. Think about how do I want this show to go out? Um, mm-hmm. Because at some point you're going to have to make that decision. Every single podcast ends and it can end a couple of ways. It can just stop, which uh, depending on how loyal your audience is and how long you've been doing it can be hard on listeners um, mm-hmm. and can leave people feeling a little bit confused. Or you can try to give people that sense of closure. So I, I think when you're thinking about longevity, having an exit plan actually can mm-hmm. help your longevity because then you can decide, am I at the point where it's time to do my exit plan yet? Um, so right. I always knew that I wanted to let people know several episodes in advance. And then I wanted to have like a big ending where we just did, you know, the the best, craziest stuff we could mm-hmm. at the end. Yep. And, and sort of, so when it reached that point where it's like, I'm getting burnt out on this. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. I was like, well, I've got my exit plan. And I know that if I say I've just got five, six more of these left, I can power through that and give it all right. my energy and, right. and really make those shows good. Um, yeah. But uh m- most, I would say, podcasts end by just ending. The right, episodes right. get a little more sparse in between, and maybe you start to have the episodes where it's kind of like, hey, we haven't talked in a while, but we're going to try to ramp it back up, and, and then it just kind of stops. And um, I would suggest if you want to have a, a long, healthy podcast, make your exit plan up front. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. I, I At first, I don't think we had an exit plan because we didn't think the podcast was going to last. When we hit 100 episodes, we were shocked. Right. Shocked. People were listening. We were enjoying it. When we hit 200 episodes, we were double shocked. 200 shocked. And when we hit 300 episodes, that was a big that was a big thing. You came on. You were like, you did the interview us thing. That was one of my favorite episodes. And then after that, Rob's energy started to go down, maybe not on the show, but like, I mean, you could tell like it was, it was feeling like a lot and, and we had never discussed an exit plan. Um, my exit plan kind of in my head had always been 500 episodes. If we could do 500 episodes, what a great way to go out. Right. Um, and then, you know, episode three sixty something, Rob says, Hey man, I don't think I can keep doing this. I, I, I think I need to stop doing this. And I'm like, wow. All right. Well, so then I was like, well, I want to at least get to 500 because I don't want to say I'm going to do it. It it was like a relaunch where even though the show wasn't, was still the show with Rob leaving, there was that concern of like, if he's gone, if I do 10 episodes and then it just looks like I punked out, right? It's like I did the Joey spinoff from friends and it it lasted (laughs) one season and got canceled. Nobody wants that. Um, You want to be Frazier, not Joey. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, So, so I thought, 
okay, well, 500 still seems good. I could get us there. That's a, you know, 100 and some episodes. And then the podcast just kept becoming more and more fun as I got towards yeah. 500 because of, you know, the new energy and everything. And, um, and so as I neared 500, I thought, well, I, this isn't, this isn't it. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, so then I jokingly told people like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a thousand episodes. That's my exit strategy is a thousand. But I, realistically, and I haven't talked about this a ton on the show, but, um, realistically, I don't, I don't have an exit plan for this. Um, as long as I'm designing games, I plan to make this podcast. Yeah. Um, and my exit plan eventually will be for me, not for the podcast. Right. I, I would love to think the podcast could continue on, um, without me because, yeah, because building the game isn't about any one person. Building the game is about being in the industry and, you know, um, and being a new designer and, and being a designer in general, like on this journey um, and helping the community and helping those other designers. Uh, and that doesn't have to be me, right? I mean, as, right. as we pointed out, my my point of view and experience has changed so much in the last 10 years that that I, I don't get to pretend to be a beginner anymore, even though I feel like a beginner still a lot of times. I'm not, right? Um, I have a lot of experience and I know a lot more stuff than I ever did. I still feel like, you know, I think of people like an Eric Lang or an Isaac Shalov, and I feel like they've forgotten more about game design than I'll ever know. <laughs> but um, like, but still, right? Um, so that was a meandering thing. Uh, I, I guess for me, longevity, really what it comes into is um is fresh voices right don't be afraid to reinvent your podcast or your show or whatever it is you're doing not like completely like you don't be like well we're not going to do cheesy weird board games anymore now we're going to do hardcore reviews of euros it's only Um, chess from here on out (laughs) we're only reviewing chess sets but it's going to be all the same music and gags that actually would have been funny yeah we we did want to do chess as an april fool's prank one year but we never uh, got around to it this game um, is awful. But um, yeah, so I would say, you know, but that's a fair plan, I would think. It's, it's that you want the show to continue without you. And that's a fair exit plan is to build right. it up and to have that goal of I have gotten this to a place where if I need to step away, it will survive and it will thrive mm-hmm. uh, without me at the helm. And, you know, you think about, you know, you, you want to be like a Doctor Who, like, you know, is the uh, right, right. people move on, but the show lives on. Right. Um, I'm going to just metamorphosis to a new uh, doctor or whatever they call it. What do they call that? The doctor. It's regeneration. Regeneration. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. Regeneration. Yeah. Um, um, so, but yeah. yeah I, I, sorry, I was going to say, I'm so I'm, I actually, this is something I haven't talked about at all, but I am, and you can look forward to hearing more about this later this year, maybe early next year. I am hopefully putting in place some things that will ensure that that can happen. Um, that is one of my goals. Um, and it's not something I've talked about much with the, with the, uh, other hosts or anything yet. It's just things I'm working on to try and make sure, um, that that will be the case. Other than the fact that I did buy, uh, building the game for the next 10 years. So there is that. Yeah. Uh, and I so only did that because my auto renew almost didn't trigger, which means we could have lost the website and that would have been the worst thing in the world. Uh, so I was like, that's not going to happen on my watch. 10 years. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm still buying tableflipsu.com and it still points yep. back to the blogger website, blogspot.com <laughs> redirect. Um, so, oh, you know, funny. it's, uh, it's, you gotta leave it where uh, people can find it. So, yep. Um, yep. 
um so yeah yeah that's uh don't be afraid to reinvent yourself and uh and lean on other people to give you new perspectives that's that's important um but try and keep at the core of the show um as much as you can so yeah and then the last question from micah and she's got a she's got a banger here uh that i know you'll want to talk about which is i'm always fascinated by intro songs and why podcasters pick the ones they do i'd love to hear your thought process behind creating the bgg intro (laughs) outro song um, I would love to go first if I could in this, if you're going to talk about the I would love if you did, because I've loved the uh, BTG theme songs over the years, actually. Right, so. and so we've, we've had many. Um, so we, uh, we've had several different theme songs, and uh, the first one was just purchased. Uh, the first one was, was purchased, um, or no, it wasn't. It was just Creative Commons used. Yeah, it's a so Kevin like, McLeod joint. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, they I all are. The, I forget, I forget um, the name of it, but I was uh, like looking for music for another project. I was like, Oh, there's the one. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, That was a good one, though. And then after that, DJ Dr. Rock wrote some songs for us. We had another song written by DJ Dr. Rock. And then um, after that was when we went to Fiverr and got um, and got uh, the uh, the infamous building the game with Jason and Rob. Uh, and that was amazing. We just showed it to the guy and it said, this is our podcast, make something. And he just came back with that like two days later. And we were like, yeah. wow. So we paid extra to actually, that was the first one we actually, that wasn't written by someone we knew that we actually owned. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then we came to, to you <laughs> when <laughs> Rob was leaving. And I said, I need a new theme song. I don't know what to do. Would you be interested in writing one? And you said, oh, I probably could do that. Uh, and that was literally the all I told you was it's going to be Jason and friends now instead of Jason and Rob. Yeah. And then one day you just did a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the the inspiration came from it was I did an appearance years ago and we were joking about the phone number, which rest in peace, building the game phone number. Disconnected. Um, it's disconnected now. Uh, so don't use that anymore. Please but don't it was, use it was, the phone number. Right. So, but you were trying to like, hey, we, we want to drive people to use the phone number and not the email. It's like, well, right, you should have right. a s- stupid little jingle for it, like the old Stanley Steamer commercials. And we were just like, right. just joking about it. And so I made one as a joke to send to you. And then that ended up being the outro for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when you wanted me to do the theme song, it was like, well, let's just make it an extension of that. Like, let's right, make a right. sort of a, a, a doo-wop kind of acapella intro that sounds like it belongs with this outro you're already using and that I can kind of edit and sail into that at the end. So like, you know, the music swells up at the end. Like, ah, you're doing the outros and the Twitter tags and all of that. And then it cuts mm-hmm. into the, uh, please don't use the email tag. Um, yep. And so, so that was the inspiration was just trying to, we were reverse engineered from a joke or a stunt months prior into the full theme song. And a lot of my creative work has started as a stunt or a prank. And so, <laughs> so it's kind of appropriate. Uh, that it's, it's, it's yet another uh, YMC prank gone too far that uh, <laughs> lasted for a while. Um, but uh, but oh. I, I think we ought to bring back DJ Dr. Rock for the outro for a while since the, the phone number thing doesn't work anymore. Uh, well, we just we, now it just says building the game, building the game, and then so, it clunks um, away, and then and yeah. it's gone. Um, 
but uh, you know, you know, I, I miss DJ Dr. Rock from time to time. I think uh, I do too. DJ Dr. Rock made some really good music over the years. Yeah. Um, DJ and Dr. Sometimes Rock's just... hit is uh, pretty great. What's that? DJ Dr. Rock's hit is pretty great. Yeah. I have an, I have an album of his greatest hit. Yeah. Um, his greatest hit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, greatest hit. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, uh, the flip the table theme song uh, was supposed to be for another one show. Of my favorites. That was a banger. Um, Let me tell you yeah. what. I don't know if I told this story elsewhere, but it was, uh, uh, I had originally written it for another podcast that was looking for a theme song. And that was a podcast about old, like horror movies and stuff. And so I wrote it to sound like one of those old ghost host type, like late yeah. night movie shows, like an Elvira or a Sven or something like that. And then they just didn't end up using it. And then I was pre-producing those initial eight episodes and i needed mm-hmm. like and i was like I, I need a placeholder for the theme song just so i because i'm going to send this to people for some feedback and i just mm-hmm. want them to get a sense of what this sounds like uh and uh it just stuck like it, it was it so seemed good. to capture the vibe but that's why there is a bolt of lightning at the beginning of it because it was supposed oh. to sound like it was for a horror movie but instead it was it was originally anyway for horrible board games so uh um that's the sort of accidental story of the of the flip the table theme song which was supposed to be for a different show that i had nothing to do with producing entirely so yeah that is cool and it's it couldn't have fit better it was so good um i loved that loved 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 that theme song had you from the lightning bolt right at the beginning so yeah and 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 that's the other thing that I liked about Acid is that when you're making music for podcasts, you don't always want it to be super complex and upfront. You want it to mm-hmm. be something that you can drop under the talking for a while and right. let it play out for, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Uh, or even like when you're going to the break, you want it to sneak in, but kind of stay there for a minute before it really fully swells right. in. And so you want something that's kind of like not overly attention getting. That's not going to steal attention from the uh, host during that time. But then when you bring it up, it, it's comes to a point where like a drum fill or something like that kicks into the real groove of it. So, yep. Um, yep. So acid's good for that kind of stuff. Cause, cause you can use those loops in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, so we have talked about a lot of stuff. We're not going to do a pitch stuff. tonight. We're not going to do a pitch tonight, but we are going to do is we are good. That was all the questions, by the way, that was yep. my way of saying we've answered all the questions. Um, but what we did talk about ahead of time was we were each going to give a couple podcasts uh, that we are big fans of, uh, that are not necessarily board game related. In fact, I know mine are not, um, right. mine are not so, either. Um, just, just because I think, uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably already listening to some other board game podcasts already. And so you right, know where to right. find those. So, you know, uh, I thought it would be, might be more fun and creative to talk about some other shows. Love it. Love it. You want to, you want to go first? You want to give one? Sure. Or we'll we'll ping back, and, back forth and forth. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. Do two, three here. Uh, first one is called, a different direction is the name of the show. A mm-hmm. different direction, um, and you may need to search this by a different direction. TGIF Arcade, um, but it is a show where they review a television series that lasted only one season. Uh, <laughs> oh, that sounds great! And, and I'll admit to a, a bit of a personal connection with this one. It's my old friend uh, Dave, that I mm-hmm. was in a summer program with as a kid, and we've kept in touch over the years. But he. And his wife, Diana, did an entire podcast where they reviewed all of Frasier, all 200 some odd episodes, one at a time. Wow. And 
And when they wrapped that up, they wanted to do something where they could like take a break once in a while. And so they decided one season TV shows are where it's at. Um, so thus far, they have done Freaky Links, the the Fox X-Files kind of follow up slash knockoff slash mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, uh, which is all out there uh, on YouTube. And so you can kind of watch that and follow along on old uh, VHS rips and watch them, uh, listen to them, watch it. And right now they're in the middle of the Adventures of Briscoe County Junior. Oh, uh, wow. with Bruce Campbell, a, a show that, that I had never actually watched, but I'm having a lot of fun, like watching the episode and, and then listening to them uh, talk about it. Uh, it's it's pretty loose, uh, easygoing podcast, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. Um, awesome. So yeah, so uh, my first one. So I I listen to weird podcasts uh, about weird stuff. So my favorite podcast that I listen to right now. I'll start strong, and then I'll tell you about the other ones too. Uh, uh, the, my favorite one is called Jim Harold's Campfire, and that's what he says. He's like Jim Harold's Campfire. Ooh. He's been doing. Um, he used to do a podcast called the Paranormal Podcast. You think he still does actually, but that one's good. But it's not my. It's not my. Not my jam. So this is people just call in. And talk about like creepy things that have happened to them. Like, so you're supposed to be telling your own campfire stories about like whether or not it's a true story. I mean, you, it, all the stories are claimed to be true. Listening to the stories, I would say that some of them are probably not true. Uh, but, but the people that are telling them feel like they believe them. And, um, and it's just, it's, I just love listening to it. I like creepy stuff, but I don't like watching horror movies. So this is like a nice, you know, um, I don't know. I, I find it really cool um, to address personal connections. I don't know Jim, but I was on the show uh, once uh, where I called in and talked about like a crazy thing that happened to me. Oh, cool. uh, and I think Rob actually was on the show at one point too, many years ago talking about a crazy thing that happened to him. So um, yeah. Yeah. So Jim Harold's campfire highly recommend if you like uh, fun, creepy stories from people that may or may not be true. So yeah. yeah. And a good chance uh, to mention crowdsourcing as uh, a way to get material for your shows. That's something we did a lot is, you know, reaching yeah, out and yep. like, you know, looking for a little bit of inspiration or a suggestion or something like that. Sometimes you can mine a little bit of inspiration. You don't want to go all the way and just make everybody do your whole show for you. But, um, you know, but hey, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why not? Um, all right. My second one is a show called Telehell. Um <laughs> People, people aren't used to hearing me use the word hell on podcasts. We kept it real, real clean on Flip the Table. Um, and as you can probably tell, uh, this one is not for the children. It, it is certainly not family friendly by any stretch, uh, just in the way that it is uh, presented. But what it is, uh, is a show about television failures from the past. Um, and the framing device is that the host... Uh, is uh, down in the the burning depths below and is being forced to review these shows as part of his eternal punishment for stealing cable. Um, and uh, <laughs> what I really like about it Stay is... Stay tuned to the podcast. Two things. Number one, uh, it just has that radio sound. This is a radio guy uh, that uh-huh. uh, produces this. Um, and so it does a lot of that sort of imaging and uh, type of stuff that you would expect. So it has that really clean, polished, professional sound. If that's the kind of thing you want to blend into your mix of, of shows and get a sense mm-hmm. of what that sounds like. Um, but also just some of the television history that they have gotten into is just fascinating. Um, you know, they're really good at digging up 
you know, shows that uh, you may remember from when you were growing up or ones that you had no idea about. But then when you just listen to it, like, wow, this is bonkers that this was even even on television. And so um, and uh, they also have a, a Patreon tier where if you send them a certain amount of money each month, they will send you a piece of physical media at random, which is kind of a fun <laughs> gamble to take nice. as well. Um so I've really been enjoying that. Uh, I've, uh, you know, it's one of those shows that I kind of uh, picked at a little bit and then ended up going back and, and listening to the whole thing. So that's Telehell. Telehell. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. That sounds fun. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, my next one is a podcast that I, I think is still going on. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but if if not, I'm sure you can listen to the whole back catalog. Um, and it's hosted by NPR. It's Stuff You Missed in History. Um, and when I used to listen to it, it was these two awesome women that hosted it and they would just talk about like, um, they would just talk about like interesting things from history, uh, uh like people or stories that you didn't really hear. Um, it was like two people just chatting for fun about history. It actually reminds me of a sober version of like drunk history. Cause they're just telling you about weird stories, but they're not drunk <laughs> speaking, which not a podcast highly recommend drunk history. If you've not listened to that, I've watched that before. That's great. That must be still um, out there on like Paramount Plus or something. Yes, must be. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so anyway, stuff you missed in history. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've listened to almost every episode, um, and then they took a break for a while, and then I believe it came back. Uh, but it's hosted by different people now. Uh, but I, I super duper liked it and really really found it enjoyable and uh, educational. I learned a lot about stuff. Cool. All right. Last one for me, uh, and this is straight into my own uh, personal sort of nerdy wheelhouse, is a show called Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. (laughs) Um, uh, And uh, it is up over 100 episodes now, and it is a couple of Weird Al superfans. And when I say superfans, I mean real-deal superfans. Like, I tell people that I've been to, like, eight concerts of his now and they're like whoa you must be a crazy person i'm like let me tell you something uh that's barely scratching the surface um and one of them is is the person who has the largest private collection of weird Al memorabilia in the world as far as anybody knows um like that level of dedication but but what really makes it magic is they have gotten interviews with so many people in that sort of sphere and universe mm-hmm. that has become this sort of really living, breathing documentary of his career over time. Uh, wow. like, the, like the very first episode they got his guitar player on, got his guitar player to agree to write the theme song for the show, which they have done ever since, which is kind of interesting. Wow. Um, and, That's uh, nice. you know, people from the movie UHF and people that have, uh, you know, were extras in his videos and, and things like that. And, uh, uh, there are, if you look at the list of people, if, if you're a fan of, of mm-hmm. Al's work, you're going to look down this and you're going to be like, how in God's name did they get all of these interviews with all of these people and manage to convince them to come onto this show? And that's what really makes it magic right. uh, in my right. opinion. So I've, I've been going back. Uh, I've listened to some more recent episodes. I'd, I'd recently, more recently discovered it, but then I've kind of gone back and started going to the old ones and uh, digging through that. And uh, it's just been absolutely fascinating they did get al himself on for their 100th episode which is did they? Neat. i was they gonna did, say they, is that their exit plan the last episode is with Hal, but no apparently not they they did a two-parter with uh al and they hope to have him back of course they would hope to have him back yeah, right but right um but he uh, does seem are, like the type of dude that'd be like whoa these people are really big fans let's do their podcast <laughs> right 
And uh, and for a little more context, I mean, these are individuals that helped him to get his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They raised the $40,000 needed to pay the people wow. by just collecting money from fans. Because normally it's the record company or the movie studio who fronts that. No, this was an entirely right. fan-supported project to uh, wow. make that happen. Uh, that level of dedication, which means that you're not getting the same five questions uh, that you might hear if you hear out on a podcast somewhere it's always like the same like does right. how did you get started and why did you choose the accordion and, and like that kind of stuff no it's the real deep diving kind of questions that, that the diehard would want to hear so i uh, can't nice. recommend it enough david ethan's 2000 inch uh weird Al podcast that's awesome and speaking of which plug for i'm sure you've seen the trailer for weird the al yankovic story how many looks, times is the question have oh, i seen my i've watched it a few times it, daniel radcliffe is gonna crush that wow it yeah, looks really be good. so good I know I can't wait. Um, for me, the last one is another uh, is another weird one. So this one is I love listening to this. It's two Australian guys, um, and they do this uh, podcast called uh, Oh my God, Mysterious Universe, Mysterious Universe, and they talk about headlines and all sorts of crazy things, and then they like get into like real in depth interviews with people who wrote like paranormal books. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is the first like twenty minutes of the show where they just talk about headlines and, and make jokes about things because like they take this stuff super seriously, but you're never quite sure what they believe, but that li- <laughs> they have the most amazing uh, chemistry together. Like, is there like two best friends who work together all the time? And, um, and it's just a joy to listen to them. Uh, they have like a whole like plus club. You can join and listen to extra episodes and stuff. And, um, and I've never done that just because I've been content with just listening to the regular thing. It's it's like extra interviews and stuff you can get. And since that's not my jam, uh, I I haven't bothered to do that. But um, yeah, yeah. So I it's it's very much up my alley. If you like Australian people talking about uh, weird stuff, uh, I highly recommend it because they are very funny. I mean, they I'm a fan of Bluey. So, I mean, maybe it's in the um, same. Bluey is one of the greatest shows ever made. People are always like, oh, I just love watching with my kids because it's entertaining. That's good lessons for the kids. I'm like, I've learned more as a parent from Bluey <laughs> than like reading books about being a parent. OK, like Bluey's dad uh, was voted dad of the year in Australia last year. All right. Yeah. Bandit knows what's up. Yep. For real. If you're not watching Bluey, even if you don't have kids, you should go watch Bluey. Yeah. Also, fun fact about that show that I just learned, the kids are not credited. Because the kids in the show who play Bluey uh, and the sister Bingo and the other kids are not actually actors. They are children of the crew who do those roles. So none of them are credited. I'm sure they're oh, paid, wow. but they're not credited. Interesting way to preserve the mystery. Yeah. 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 Oh, that show's so good, though. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. good. Stop listening to this podcast. Go watch Bluey. It's I'm just glad that we've, we've moved past Paul Hogan as the representative of all Australia. Yeah, I'm sure Australia is glad and, and about that, too. We've we've diversified into, into newer, bigger, better things. Anyways, I digress. I feel like we've come to the end of the show here. I, I so, suspect we have. Thank you so much for being on and uh, chatting with me about this and doing an extra long episode. Uh, that's that's uh, about an interesting topic that uh, and now you get to make that have... editing decision, right? Like, uh, I do. How much yes. of this am I going to bother to cut? Um, we'll find yeah. out Sunday. You know what? Uh, on... Because I'm into transparency. Right now, 
we're going to be about one hour and 36 minutes. So you see how long the podcast is when you listen. I promise <laughs> that I won't cut this. You'll see how much I cut out. Transparency. Maybe uh, there's some room for some over under bets in the discord. We'll, uh, we'll set that up. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, Awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, listeners, I hope you really enjoyed uh, hanging out with us tonight. Uh, we certainly enjoyed hanging out with you. If you, you mean you weren't here, but we we enjoyed being in your in your. We enjoyed holes. this parasocial relationship we have with yes. you at this moment. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can go email us to buildinggamepodcast.gmail.com. At our website, of course, you can find our Discord. Join our Discord. It's really fun. Join the Discord. Yes. Get the Discord. Please just join the Discord. There it is. That's it. <laughs> That's the new one. Um, so anyways, um, yes, uh, you can find us on Twitter at PodcastPTG, at Jason Slingerling. Chris is at Table Flips You, uh, right? That is you. Not yeah, podcast. at Table yes, Flips okay. You. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I was like, why am I not sure about that? Um, yes, but thank you again for listening. Uh, please come back next week and hang out with us again. Until then, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. <laughs>